0: This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. It's a pleasure to welcome in not only from the NHL Network, NHL Now, which you can see from 4 to 6 Eastern Monday through Friday, but also the voice of international hockey. He's calling the Stanley Cup Final with Kevin Weeks. He's EJ Raddick. Thank you for gracing Ah. us with your presence today. We really appreciate it.
1: Ah, Thank you, Donnie. Always a pleasure to be with you. And uh, I guess we have a hockey series now that uh, we got a, uh, you know, Tampa got on the board last night. So we're 2-1. We'll see where we go from here.
0: Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, I'm surprised by the final score uh, because, yeah. you know, Colorado had been so good. Uh, but not, not surprised that Tampa is a different team at home. We saw it in the Rangers series, and I don't know if it'll go the same way the Rangers series went. But not surprised at all by the Lightning's response, just a little surprised that it was a 6-2 final
1: yeah I mean, but you know you I guess when you've been around a while and you know I've been doing this a while, and you've been doing this a while and watching different you've been watching all the sports <clears throat> as i have i but particular hockey and you got a seven nothing game in game two, and it looks like <clears throat> excuse me that it's gonna be a you know series is over, and then you turn around and you know all of a sudden it sticks two in the other direction and and now we have a, a different narrative so That's the beauty of sports, the beauty of a seven-game series. You have two really great teams. Um, You know, I think Colorado has been the better of the teams. Even last night, I didn't think they were that outplayed. It just seemed like Tampa had some opportunities, took advantage of them. Darcy Kemper wasn't as good as he needed to be. And that's the storyline now, I think, moving forward, at least uh, in the short term, moving into game four. And so, uh, you know, here we are. And uh, But it's always, you know, like I said, I talked to so many different people, fans and media people after game two, and they were just, uh, you know, oh, how can Tampa Bay turn it around and, like, you know, we're death store. And, <laughs> you know, i like, hey, it's one game. We'll see what happens in the next one. And we saw Tampa found a way to win it.
0: Yeah, it's funny they gave up. Uh, what the first time they had given up six or more goals in the playoffs since 04. oh four. 4 they won the cup. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. when you start seeing yeah. one game. There you go. You know, and if and listen, if we've seen anything from this Lightning team, is that they can take a punch. They could take several punches. Yeah, uh, the Rangers yeah. countered with a couple of haymakers in the first two games of the series. You know, they didn't blink. All right. So, uh, and certainly being down three two against Toronto, they didn't blink. You you win two straight Stanley Cups in a row. Uh, for a reason and 11 straight series for a reason and you're seeing that. I'm not saying that they're going to win the series but I pick Colorado in seven but the point is they're not going to go quietly into that good night they don't know how to
1: yeah exactly they're they're champions they've been there and and I I've said it Donnie about the one of the biggest things they have going for them is they know how to do it they know what it takes in a seven game series and I can I talked in the past to our friend Butch Goring, four-time champion with the Islanders, and I asked him the question, you know, which, is the, which, was the most, which was the most difficult cup to win? And he said to me, without even blinking, he said the first. He goes, after that, we we never thought we were going to lose again. We always knew how to do it. And so I think Tampa has that advantage in this series. They know how to do it. And uh so now we'll see how things play out in game four. But Colorado, I mean, they've got a big, big engine on the back of that team when you think about McCarr and Bo Byram and, uh, you know, some of the others, you know, back there, uh, Devin Tays. So um, those guys break the puck out on their own sometimes, and that's a big advantage in the series and in the playoffs where, as you know, you know, people are trying to get on the floor check and bang you around, and to get out of your zone that cleanly uh, on occasion during the game is a big plus. So we'll see what happens in Game Four. I, my biggest thing will be looking at you know if Kemper is going to play, and I kind of I kind of feel he is going to be the guy. But um, if he does play, he's got to play well. He's certainly got to play better than he played last night.
0: And uh, do we know anything? Probably not uh, the status of Kucherov.
1: Well, Cooper spoke this morning, and he said he said Kucherov is playing, so that's a plus. He said also that uh, Braden Point is day to day, but very doubtful for Game Four. So I would think you'll probably have the same lineup as you had last night without Braden Point. I saw Braden Point walking out of the rock, locker room after Game Two in Colorado, or no, it was before Game Two, but like during the the morning after their escape and he had a little bit of a hitch in his step. So you mm-hmm. can see, you know, at least from watching the guy walk out of the building, he was not a hundred percent physically ready. You know, he's doing the best he can with, uh, you know, like all these guys who a lot of them are nicked up. Most of them are nicked up at this time of the year, but he's obviously suffered a pretty significant injury that we saw in round one against Toronto. And he came back and it's, uh, you know, now he needs more time. So, the good news for Tampa is, in their last seven games, uh, when Point has missed the game, they're 5-0, and the two games that he played, they're 0-2. So, you know, for, for whatever, right. take that for whatever it's worth. But uh, he's a great player, and they'd love to have him in there when he's healthy, but uh, right now, not quite ready.
0: And, of course, Game 4 uh, coming up tomorrow. EJ will be on the call with Kevin Weeks. If you're listening to this podcast outside of the continental United States, you'll be able to enjoy uh, those guys calling the game. And... I thought found it interesting with all the history that Tampa trying to buck here. You know, they came back from two nothing down against the Rangers, now trying to come back uh, two down against Colorado. No team in the history of the Stanley Cup has ever had to come back from two nothing deficits in both the Conference Final and the Stanley Cup Final. So Tampa is going to have to try to accomplish some history here, and eventually you tempt fate, right? I mean, they came back three two against yeah. Toronto, and then the Rangers it just you. This this is a different animal here. As good as the Rangers were. Uh, I don't think the Rangers were the avalanche as far as offense is concerned. So uh, Vasilevsky's been good for the most part, part in the, in this postseason. But this this is a Colorado team, as you said. They're, they're going to test you. They're not just going to test you with your forwards. They're going to test you with their defense as well, with the, what they can do shooting the puck.
1: Yeah, this is, a, this is a really good team. It's a great, you know, it's really, it's really a great final. Uh, I don't know how it's going to end up. Maybe it'll be five games. Maybe Colorado will win the next two. I wouldn't be surprised in the least if it plays out that way. But it's, it's, uh, you know, at the start, I think it was Kale McCarr who said it, uh, it's one team that, you know, looking at, you know, cementing themselves as a dynasty in this era and another team that is trying to chase their destiny. And, uh, you know, I think he's right about that. And, um, It's two teams that that really are dialed in to try to win for different reasons, and, uh, you know, I think it's been, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it's going to be real interesting to see where it goes from here. Like I said, I could easily see Colorado, you know, winning the next one and being in a great position to win at home, but, I mean, you just can't count out teams that have shown you repeatedly that they can find ways to win even under difficult circumstances, so... uh, You know, we'll see. Tampa wins game four. Now it's two out of three, and we go from there.
0: Now, well, let me disclaimer this by saying I don't buy into this opinion at all. But okay. you wonder what kind of chip Tampa has on their shoulder here. Yes, they they won back-to-back cups, but there's probably some people that said, well, that first cup was in a bubble, strange circumstances surrounding it, four months off before the playoffs started, playing in front of no crowds. And then the second one, 56 game schedule. You draw the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup final. Now you get a full 82 game set, you know, with everything the way it was pre pandemic. Do you think Tampa feels like they need to legitimize the last two years, or is it something that's not even on their mind?
1: Well, um, I think teams, my experience is teams use any and all uh, motivation they can find. And I think that I'm sure for some within their group, there is a little of who have heard that, you know, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, they've talked about making, you know, really making history for themselves, winning a third time in a row. That's been a big thing. And I think, yeah, they, you know, people say they don't hear the stuff. They hear the, the thoughts and comments. And I'm with you. I mean, you winning the Stanley cup is hard. You have to win four rounds, even if you're in a bubble. And, you know, in that case where there's no emotion of the crowd and there's, you know, some that the travel makes it, you know, the lack of travel makes it easier. But, you know, as we all know, being in a you know, dealing with the pandemic and being in a bubble, there's emotional and mental challenges that you're going to have, you know, not seeing any members of your family for long stretches and, mm-hmm. you know, that in itself, you know, people could argue was harder. To win a Stanley Cup in those circumstances though and last year was a different year too with playing within a little bit of a pod of of eight teams and coming out of that and that made it different although they were in a pretty difficult group of eight when you think about it with uh, some of the teams Florida and Carolina and Nashville last year so I'm sure that some players might look at that some people within their management group when they hear that you know it's you know I think the athletes you know it's so hard to win it's you know, there's 32 teams now, and of course, it, you know there's some really good teams that that aren't here in this final group. And, and two, and so I'm sure that they, whatever little things might give you that extra edge of motivation, make you work that much harder. Uh, you know, it probably helps you. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, you got to get it done on the ice, and you got to be better than the team that's on
0: the other bench. So, it's, well, uh, see, that's see, that's you know, my. point. you take
1: whatever you can.
0: Now, yeah. the, the 77 Canadians didn't have to play the 87 Oilers or didn't have to play the 15 Blackhawks. I That's mean, we, right. can, we can throw this run into history and say, all right, well, it's probably apples and oranges. But all the things, no crowds, no travel, well, everybody that was in that bubble had the same advantages yeah. or disadvantages, yeah. and Tampa came out the exactly. best. So all you can That's do, right. are we going to go back to when you only had to – you know, when when the first couple when the first round was a best of three, then a the best of five. Like everybody's got right. their journey, but every as that's long as right. it's the same journey in within that season, that's all that you're compared to. Now history might of judge course. it differently, yeah. But uh, yep. you know, I listen, completely and, agree with and, and, that. That's right. So you know, the Islanders could have played the Canadians too in the Stanley Cup final, but they couldn't be Tampa. So you know, so um, <laughs> that's right. You're you absolutely know, right. So that's the way it works there. You know, while we got you, EJ, you know, we're both kind of up against it. And, of course, EJ's from Tampa, and he's got the call tomorrow. Game four, Colorado leads the best of seven series, two games to one. Since we got so many Ranger fans to listen to this podcast, and we didn't get a chance to talk after they were ousted, ironically enough, their first four-game losing streak came in the final four games of their season. Great run, and we'll see if they can take it to the next level. But what's going to happen to this team? During the off season, can they keep Kop and Strom? What happens with Kako? I mean, it's one thing to be able to learn from the losing, but can they come back intact? What kind of heavy lifting does Chris Drury have to do during the off season?
1: Um, this is when it gets hard. I always said, I probably said it with you years ago when we were, you know, doing the show together out of the, the little NHL store in our, in our little office there, our little loft up above the storm 47th and six is that, you know, it's, it's one thing to go in and be a manager and walk up to the podium and say with the first overall pick and you take a really good player in most cases, it's hard to kind of mess that up. It seems like, you know, and it's hard to scout. I mean, like this, this, these guys, it's, you know, as you get through the draft, it's harder and harder, but the first few overall pick, it's usually someone that has been well identified and, you know, putting together those first pieces is not that it's easy, but it's easier. I think when you get to where the Rangers are now, where they've got to run out of the conference final, they've assembled some really, really good pieces. But now you've got to figure out those, you know, you've got to figure out the, the last pieces. How do we get from here to there? And I think a lot of teams struggle in that journey. I mean, the Washington Capitals for many years, right? It took them almost 10 years to win the Stanley Cup. The St. Louis Blues had assembled a really good team, and then finally Jordan Binnington was that last piece of the puzzle. Go all the way back to the guy I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Butch Goring, right? The Islanders assembled a really good team, and Butch Goring and, you know, Kenny Morrow, they were kind of the last pieces of the puzzle, and Bill Torrey had to make some changes going into that season. He didn't blow it up, but he moved, you know, he added some pieces to the mix, and you know, and that's where Chris Lurie and the Rangers are right now. I mean, they've got some really great pieces there, and they've just got to figure out, okay, what are these last pieces that we need? And that that has been made, that job, which is already difficult, has been made more difficult, in my mind, with two factors. First of all, the salary cap, which changes the dynamic of things. I'm sure the Rangers would have loved to have kept Pavel Busnevitz, for example. He had a great year in St. Louis, but... They didn't think they were going to pay him. They could pay him based on the salary cap, so they had to let him go and trade him and move him out for someone else, and Sammy Blay ended up getting hurt. But, uh, you know, and then there's 32 teams now. 32 teams. There used to be six in the city nice. years ago. I mean, there was a run time when there was 12, and then 14, and 21, and there there's 32 teams now. So even if you do all those things right, you may just come along and run into the Tampa Bay Lightning who are a little bit, you know, who have, have really figured it out, or you may run into the Colorado avalanche. So, you know, it's really difficult. So for the Rangers and Chris Christopher, yeah, they're, they've, they've got work to do. They got to figure out who they're keeping and uh, what they need to, to change and how things fit in the cap, not only for the coming year, but for the next several years, they have to look at the big picture because they've got a lot of guys signed. Mm. There's some big money contracts moving forward. So, you know, I'll be very curious to see. I think the fact that Kako was scratched in that last game. I know Gerard Gallant kind of shrugged it off when he finally discussed it two days later. But, you know, to me, that's, that sends a message of sorts. Now, Kako, you know, they may feel he's got to work harder. He's still a very young player. So, you know, how will he respond, you know, with his training and how will he be next year? But it's, it's eye-opening when a second overall pick is scratched in a, in a must-win playoff game. I mean, and look at, you know, and, and, and guys take time. I mean, here's a great example. Valerie Chuskin for Colorado. He was a 10th overall pick by the Dallas Stars in 2013. He had some ups and downs there. He had some physical issues. He left, went to the KHL, came back to Dallas. He had a year in 1819 in Dallas where he 57 games, Donnie. He did not score a goal. 10 assists, no goals. He leaves as if, you know, it looks like he's a bust. They just didn't work out. He goes to Colorado this year. He had 25 goals in 62 games. He's been a beast in the playoffs. He's a guy that's kind of built for the playoffs. You think a Kako, big forward? You know it takes a little time, so we'll see what plays out there. We'll see they they they've signed uh, you know they re-signed the Russian kid and bringing him back over uh, one of the high picks so, there yeah. that, that left this year. So so that makes a difference. So we'll see. I mean, I, I just think it's going to be fascinating to watch. I think Ranger fans should be thrilled. They got. A really good team. They got a great goalie. They got a good young defense to build with, and some terrific forwards. But there's some work to be done. So we'll see what uh, what Chris can do. Well, that's a long answer. I don't know if it really answers the
0: question. Well, yeah. It, well, it's, it's well. Let's get more specific. It probably comes down to a choice between Kopp and Strom. If you had to choose between the two, yeah. who would you pick?
1: Boy, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Um. You know, Strom has played so well with Panarin, and it's been such a nice fit. Now, Kopp is someone that you can move around your lineup. I think, Donnie, it might just come back, could come down to, you know, where they are. You know, the answer might be neither, because you might have to say, listen, we can't afford to pay a guy $5 million in that role because of other things we have moved out. Maybe we've got to rely on younger players in that, or maybe we need to go outside with those two guys and find someone else that we think can come in that's more value. So if I had to choose between the two, I think it's fascinating because, again, Strom has proven to be really effective with Panarin. But you're paying Panarin $11 million. Maybe Panarin should be able to be effective with whoever you put with him, if it's a good player. Cop is someone that can move around your lineup that can help you in different ways and is more of a guy as a playoff guy, although I did did think he ran out of gas in the last round. So I guess if you push me to it, I would probably say Cop because I think he adds more versatility to your team and I think Panarin can be successful with other players given the opportunity. But he has played very well with Schroen.
0: And Cop's very good at face-offs and and he he might be a little bit more well-rounded. Yeah, it's going to be tough because you have to say goodbye to some. You've got... uh, Vetrano, who's an unrestricted free agent, too. Um, So there's a lot of juggling that have to go on and only a million extra to play with. It was nice to see the cap did go up and that it looks like the NHL's back as far as financers are concerned to pre-pandemic levels, but just not a lot of money to play with, for sure. And then next year... And
1: that's the other thing, right, for all these teams, right? They signed contracts pre-pandemic, right? And then they're in situations where, you know... They, they've they had to deal with not having any more money, and, you know, and that's that's been a really hard thing to deal with. You know, I mean, it's just, it's, there's there's no other way to say it. It's just made it even more difficult for teams. So, uh, you know, they've, they've done a great job. You know, the previous group there with Jeff Gorton, I mean, he did a fantastic job acquiring a lot of talent. Chris Curry has come in and made some really nice moves and additional moves to help this team move forward. So, you know the the challenge goes on, and the fans should be thrilled. And it was I know from being at the Garden, you call the games. You're there all the time. I mean, the fan base was really excited to have the season that he had. And now it's uh, you know I always say, "Win when you're there," because you just never know if you're going to get back. You That's never true. know if things are going to play out the same way. You so never know. Uh, it was a hell of a year. We'll see how they can handle things, uh, you know, in the off season. And one other note: it's Kraftsaw because I was, you know. Yes. Vitaly Kravtsov, I forgot his name before, but him coming back over. Uh, I said it, but he didn't Rangers. hear. Me. That's another interesting guy, right?
0: Well, yeah, he wanted out, and he never got out. So that kind of be an interesting story if he ends up working out here that he wanted. Uh, he wanted to leave, so there's a little bit that has to get worked out there. But uh, that that was yeah. with a different the coach. Have
1: had some good drafts, Johnny. They've had some good yeah. drafts. I'm just looking through the names here. I mean. LaFreniere and I mean LaFreniere is a first overall, but Schneider looks like he's going to be a really good player for them. And then you had Kako, and you have Zach Jones that was drafted in that year, and then you have Kravtsov, who was the jury still out, but Miller was the 22nd. Lindquist is a is a pretty good prospect in their system still at at 28 that year in 2018, and Edo has been a good player for them. Uh, I mean they they've had some, no, good, they picks, well. some good drafts over you know, the last and, couple cuz I was thinking about more. it too,
0: you know, it, you know Jeff Gordon was showing the door, but a lot of the pieces that got them as far as they got were were from players that were acquired by him, free agents, trades, drafts. So uh the fingerprints of Jeff Gordon are all over this current team. And Chris Drury's done a great job too, no but uh he just certainly needs yeah. to be acknowledged. And you
1: know one guy to one guy to keep an eye on too, Nils Lundqvist, right? He was a, you know, he was very highly thought of as you know. Mhm. Braden Schneider has kind of, you know, moved past him. It seems like within their group right now. And so Nils Lundqvist is still a talented young defenseman. He might be someone that you move to help you do something else with your team. So these are all the things that Chris Drury has to think about. And that's why he's fortunate to have a real stockpile of really good young players within his group. He can move some of those guys if he feels that they don't have runway with the Rangers To bring in other pieces that could help them moving forward.
0: Well, EJ, enjoy the rest of the series. Maybe we'll talk to you when it's all over. I guess you'll be probably traveling Monday, so we'll probably talk to you next week at some point. So we appreciate the time and enjoy the call.
1: We'll see. Thank you, Donnie, and thanks for all your support with that. And uh, it's always it's always uh, fun to chat with you. And we'll see. We've got a couple more hockey games left to play this year, so we'll see
0: how. Enjoy them while we got them, right? That's right. All right, buddy. Take care. That is you the great, and I mean great EJ Raddick, of course, will really be on the call for the rest of the series as Colorado will look to go up 3-1 tomorrow in Tampa. So that was fun trying to kind of catch up on uh, the Rangers' situation and what's happening with the Stanley Cup Final. Uh, let's reconvene on a Thursday. That way we'll be done with Game 4 and get a sense of either we're 2-2 or or it's 3 1 with Colorado on the verge. So we'll come back on Thursday and we'll do a lot of interaction with you with the tweets at, at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct for Thursday. So we'll talk to you again on Thursday. This was the Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct.
1: This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.